And the Oscar goes to Tom Hanks in Philadelphia. And the Oscar goes to Lupita Nyong'o. And the Oscar goes to Halle Berry in Monsters Bay. And the Oscar goes to Hilary Swank in Boys Don't Cry. And the winner is Marvelous Meryl Streep. And the Oscar goes to Heath Ledger in The Dark Knight. And the Oscar goes to Olivia Colman. Welcome to this week's episode of Academy Queens. I'm the bitch that would not get away from her, Joey Gentili. And I'm Jane Fonda's favorite bottle of booze, Brandon Stanwyck. And this is your LGBT guide through the Academy Awards per category per decade with this week's episode, 1986. How are you doing? Great. Haven't been in the studio for a little bit, so it's good to be back. Yeah, it feels good. Yeah, I had to take a little hiatus because I was doing homework for another podcast, mm -hmm. which is out now. Um, I was a guest on Kevin Jacobson's And the Runner-Up Is podcast, the 1965 episode, where we discussed Dr. Zhivago and why it lost Best Picture to The Sound of Music. Which you guys seem to be pretty okay with. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So spoiler alert for that episode. Yeah. But you can go back and listen. There's much more to the conversation than, of course, that. It was a really good episode. I liked it. Yeah, I haven't listened to it yet because I'm weird about listening to myself, mm -hmm. but um, I've been getting some pretty good feedback for yeah. people that have listened to it. It's really solid. Yeah. It's really, really solid. Well, I um, wasn't guest guesting on, on someone else's podcast, but I did get to see a couple of movies this week. Oh, yeah? Um, one of them I'm not even considering a film. Um, it's more an experience. That was Rocket Man. Um, I cried five times. Uh, four times, but five, including the credits. Um... It was amazing. It is my favorite film so far of this year, and I swear to God, if Taron Edgerton doesn't win an Oscar for this, I'm going to sue the Academy, because hands down, right now, he is my favorite male performance of the entire decade. Like, this is a really, really strong performance, and it's kind of pissing me off, because some people are like, well, how would Ernest Borgnine vote, or we already did this last year. Like, fuck you. Like, it's not about the politics, it's about the performance, and even though the Academy most of the time is political, this is like one of those times where, like, fuck what happened last year, fix that mistake, and show what a real, like, biopic-style performance mm -hmm. is like. And it was fantastic, and I loved it. I have not seen it yet, but I've heard basically <sighs> nothing but good things. So good, so good. Now, you want to know what else I watched last mm -hmm. night? So, we're recording this technically the Thursday, the night that Dark Phoenix comes out, but I got to see it last night. What a dumpster trash fire. Mm -hmm. Holy shit. I'm a lifelong X-Men fan, 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 and, you know, you and I grew up with, like, the 90s X-Men cartoon. Yeah, the animated what, series. Great series. Great series. Jubilee, still my bae. Um, <laughs> and I think I was, like, 10 when, like, the Hugh Jackman X-Men movie came out. 2000. Yeah, like I, was nine, eight. I was 9 or 10. Yeah. Um, I saw that in theaters. Uh, but this was, like... Terrible. Jessica Chastain deserves so much more. The, the pacing in this movie is really off. It's a water-thin plot. Jennifer Lawrence is not even phoning in. And this is probably, like... I feel like if the Academy had a role for, like, the Oscars they gave to people, if they're like, well, if you do one really, really bad performance, we're going to take it away. This would have been it. Like, <laughs> she, you could, she like, did not want to be there. She was over that shit. She, oh, I think my people God. People have been saying that that's been pretty clear from the press um, circuit. Oh, like yeah. There's a lot of people who are doing it out of contractual obligations. Yeah. Some people are simply just doing it for the money. Like It seems like a lot of people don't really want to be involved with this franchise anymore, yeah. but they kind of have to be. Well, like I remember before Apocalypse had come out, um, 
Jennifer Lawrence already was over it by the time, you know, she did first class, Days of Future Past, she was kind of done. She was con um, contractually obligated for Apocalypse, and then they their contract was up. Like, I don't know why they even returned for the fourth one. Um, but I don't know. It's just, I'm just glad it's going back to Marvel, and we can get over this shit show. Seriously, Jessica Chastain deserved way better. I don't even think I saw Apocalypse. I mean, it's fun, but it's not good. I remember, I saw the first two. Yeah. I don't think I even saw Apocalypse. I have on Blu-ray. You can borrow it. Oh, okay. Yeah, there you go. Problem solved. Problem solved. But yeah, it's um, it's not good. It's not good. I'm really, I'm just happy it's going to Marvel. Mm -hmm. It's home base and they can really fix it. But I think we need a solid break. And I think to go forward, you need to avoid these characters that we've been seeing for 20 years. So no Wolverine, no Professor X, no... Magneto, no Jean Grey, no Mystique. I think in order to really revamp the series, they have to do like X-Force. Mm. Start with X-Force and work your way backwards because we are worn out. Mm -hmm. And they're not giving us anything new that we already know. I mean, what are they going to do again? The first class? I mean, we've seen Iceman, Beast, Angel. We've seen all that shit. Like, they're, Kevin Feige, I trust with this because he's pretty... Um, pretty faithful to the source material mm -hmm. unlike fox but i think we need a solid break from these characters give us something new yeah so it's just a shame because i love x-men but this was shit mm -hmm. but um do you know what else i love what talking about these nominees we oh, have right. an interesting group this year yeah that's true Got some um, returning favorites mm -hmm. and some first-time nominees. I'm, I'm going to stay right up front. Like, I have no enthusiasm for the supporting actress lineup. Like, mm -hmm. the lead, I think, is pretty solid. But the supporting, I could give two shits about. Mm -hmm. Just going into this, none of them do anything for me. Okay. Um, but separately, it'll be interesting to talk about. Yeah. How do you feel about this lineup? I feel pretty good. I agree with you. I'm more enthusiastic about the leads. There's a couple in supporting that I like, but um, in general, I'd say I think the lead lineup is stronger. Yeah, 100%. Shall we? Yeah. All right, take us away. So your nominees for Best Supporting Actress in 1986 were... Maggie Smith in A Room with a View. Piper Laurie in Children of a Lesser God. Diane Weist and Hannah and her sisters. Mary Elizabeth Mastrantonio in The Color of Money. Tess Hopper in Crimes of the Heart. Okay, so let's start with our winner for the year, Diane Weist. Is it Weist or Weist? Weist. It's a W sound, okay. I wasn't sure if it was like Rachel Weiss. <laughs> uh, she was nominated here for Hannah and Her Sisters. This is her first of three nominations and her first of two wins. Going into this, she wins the Boston Film Critics, the Los Angeles Film Critics, the National Board of Review, the National Society of Film Critics, and the New York Film Critics Circle. And she's nominated at the Golden Globes, but does not win the Globe. In Hannah and Her Sisters, Diane Weist plays Holly, the sister to Mia Farrow's Hannah and Barbara Hershey's Lee. Holly is an aspiring actress, then aspiring playwright, who decides she's going to start a catering company to make money while she's trying to reach her dream. And she goes through a few existential crises along the way. So thoughts on Diane Weist and Hannah and Her Sisters. By now, it's, it's not an excuse of my hate, or it's not a, a surprise of my hatred for Woody Allen films. Yeah, his films don't do very much for you. They don't. Um, and this, uh, there's a couple of films we're reviewing that don't do much for me here in general. But regarding this one, I mean, I don't understand the love for Hannah and Her Sisters. 
I like the New York setting of the 80s because I've said before, like, I like that gritty 80s New York feel. And just coming from New York a couple weeks ago, like, I, that, that feeling there is no longer what it was, you know, shown in the films. Mm-hmm. Sure, I guess. Um, I guess it's okay. I mean, I don't hate it, but I'm not... I'm not watching her performance and being like, wow, this is Oscar-worthy. And, you know, we've we've posted a little bit, you know, because we're doing the for consideration ads each decade. And I forget who I posted for 86. Um, It it wasn't Diane Weiss yet, but it was someone... Oh, Piper Laurie. Okay. And people were like, how could... You know, Diane Weiss is good. She deserved this one. But how could you nominate her when Barbara Hershey was right there? And I'm like, but what did she do? I don't know. Um... It's fine, but it's nothing... I don't write home about this performance. I don't write home about this movie in general. Mm-hmm. But I know you're a big fan. Yeah, so Hannah and Her Sisters is one of the my the few Woody Allen movies that I do really like. Mm-hmm. Um, it's been a long time since I've seen it, so it was fun revisiting it. And I do really like Diane Weiss' Holly character. It seems like a character that I know. Mm-hmm. Like it's, It feels very familiar in a very charming way. Like Maybe it's because I've worked in like the entertainment industry and industry adjacent fields for so long but like and I went to school partially for theater so I didn't know a lot of like actresses and stuff and so it just feels very real to me and I think there's a real um zest to her character that I really like mm-hmm. there's a little bit of neuroses going on that I think is really fun mm-hmm. like um when she's sort of competing with Carrie Fisher yeah. throughout basically the entire movie like they're friends and kind of co-workers colleagues and they start this catering company but they're also rival actresses because they basically go for the same roles they sort of have the same type and then that also plays in when they are sort of vying for sam waterston's affection because they meet at a party they're catering and he kind of takes them out Mm. and they're like fighting over who's going to get dropped off first because presumably the person who gets dropped off second is the one who's going to spend the night with sam waterston and i thought that was a really cute little battle that they had going on because they're trying to come up with all these little routes and like well if we go this way then that we're going to hit your apartment first but if we go this way and it's just a really funny moment i think you got to do what you got to do to suck that d yeah sure trust me yeah I, I really enjoy it. I, yeah. I mean, I guess it, I, I'm, I'm not taken away from it. Mm-hmm. Um, but I guess it's just my thing of, with Woody Allen films. It's just... Ugh. Yeah, his films don't click with you. And there's some that click with me and some that really don't. Yeah. This is one of them that does work for me. For a while, I would cite Hand and Her Sisters as my favorite. When people would ask me to name mm-hmm. a favorite, I would just throw out Hand and Her Sisters. Because mm-hmm. I do really like this cast overall. And I think Diane Weist is really good here. Mm-hmm. Um she is probably one of my favorite parts of it. I also like Barbara Hershey in it and Michael Caine as well. Yeah. I mean, I've said before, Bullets Over Broadway is the only Woody Allen film that I really enjoy. And we'll talk about that here mm-hmm. next season. But, like, I guess it's cool that her sister can always just spot her thousands of dollars. Yeah, I thought that was really funny. I mean, yeah, I, I don't mean to be, like, unenthusiastic. I think this is, like, the most, like, mm, I, meh, as RuPaul said meh mm-hmm. um, reaction to a performance I think I've had so far. It's just, I don't know. It doesn't do anything for me. But I don't take away from the win because this is a really bad lineup. So yeah. to me, it's like picking the best of the worst. Okay. So, Well, our next nominee is Tess Harper for Crimes of the Heart. This is her first and only nomination, and she had basically no precursors whatsoever going into this. In, in Crimes of the Heart, Tess Harper plays Chick Boyle, the nosy cousin of the McGrath sisters, Played by Diane Keaton, Jessica Lang, and Sissy Spacek. So thoughts on Tess Harper? I like this. I, yeah. think, I think it's cute. Mm-hmm. Um, 
again, I, I didn't watch Crimes of the Heart and, and go, that's an Oscar-worthy performance. Right. But it made me laugh. Um, I, I think it's definitely worth noting that it's, it's a funny role. Um, Chick, like, jumps into this film just as fast as she leaves it. And she's kind of, like, we all have that cousin or that relative that's just, like, all mm-hmm. of the people shit and just, like, annoying. Um, but, I, again, I'm just, like, is this Oscar worthy? Like, right. it's what, like, it's what's like, going on here? I think this is, like, a, a, we're sorry for not nominating, nominating you for Tender Mercies a couple years earlier mm-hmm. type of nomination. That could be a, could have been a factor. Like con, con, what is it? Consolation? Sort of. Yeah. yeah. It's like a makeup. Yeah. Um, it's a cute performance. Um, so I'm from like rural Ohio, like the other Western Ohio. And like the type of family where like you see your cousins and aunts and uncle like weekly. Mm-hmm. And so like I know this sort of cousin who's like always in everyone's business and always just dropping by and secretly no one really likes them. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? And um, so I kind of dug it. Like I understood what she was going for and it's a fun nomination. Um it is a little bit random in a way. Uh, she does have some really funny moments, though, like when Diane Keaton's chasing her with the broom and she, like, crawls up a tree to yeah. get away instead of just, like, leaving the property. And Diane Keaton's, like, trying to beat her with a broom like she's a, a bat or something. Mm-hmm. That was really funny. But, but yeah, this is a very um, inspired nomination, I think, especially considering who else you have in this cast. Yeah, but even then, I would say maybe Jessica Lange because Diane Keaton is just terrible. Yeah, this. Diane Keaton would be the last one that I would nominate, and that's yeah. including Tess Harper, to be honest. Yeah. Um, this is my house. I'm like, ugh. I think I was reading that um, Kate, Kathy Bates originated the role on Broadway, the Diane Keaton part. Mm. And of course, Kathy Bates wasn't the name in film yet. She had right. made her mark in theater in the 80s, but she wouldn't you know, make it big for another few years. So yeah, so I'm just like, it's good. Meh. For for the type of, you know, getting a nomination in here, but I'm not, like, wowed by it. Right, that's kind of how I feel like I'm happy for her. Like, I'm always kind of happy for these actresses, especially with the random ones. Like, yeah. you got an Oscar nomination, good for you. Congrats, congrats. But, I, but it's not, like, if you had shown me that movie and said pick out the Oscar nomination, I probably wouldn't have gone for Tess Harper. Yeah, I've kind of, I honestly think I would have thought, like, the Academy and thought, oh, well, maybe Jessica Lange. Yeah. And then... That's it. Right. Which doesn't say anything about Sissy's Basic, but like... Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's a... Okay. You know? It is it is what it is. It's yeah. fun. <laughs> so our, our next one here is Piper Laurie, nominated for Children of a Lesser God. This is her third of three nominations, previously up for The Hustler in 1961 and Carrie in 1976, and she had no precursors going into this. In Children of a Lesser God, Piper Laurie plays Mrs. Norman, the mother to Marley Matlin, Sarah, and their relationship at the beginning of the film has mostly dissolved, but as the movie goes on, they sort of rekindle that and come to terms with their relationship as mother and daughter. So, thoughts on Piper Laurie and Children of a Lesser God? I remember watching Children of a Lesser God years ago. Yeah, it had been like 10 years since I last saw it. Same. And so, I, re- I you know, I revisited for this, and I was like, really? Like, this is an Oscar-worthy nomination? And then I remember re-watching it and kind of thinking the same thing, like, right off the bat. And then we got to the end. Because Piper Laurie's, like, in a maybe a two or three minutes right kind of in the beginning. Mm-hmm. And then is gone for until, like, the last 15 minutes of the movie. Most of her work is in the second half of the movie. Yeah. And then I was like, okay, I'm peeling back the layers of this character. You know, she's the mom. And she, she loves her daughter, but there's this tumultual 
or tumultuous relationship and I and I kind of put like myself because of my mom in that scenario and I'm like okay I actually get it there she's like an onion character there's a yeah. lot of layers going on here and it's subtle and it's brilliant um I think it's really good um but again if if you were if you know the, that example if you were to put me in front of this movie and say show me the Oscar nominee or who's the Oscar mm -hmm. nominee here I don't think I would pick her right it's this lineup is weird yeah I feel like we're repeating ourselves here but it's a weird lineup to talk about yeah I actually do kind of like Piper Laurie in this um mm -hmm. It's a very confident performance. Yeah. It's very quiet and reserved, but there's a lot to her. Yeah. In the scenes with her and Marley Matlin, you can really feel the history between those two characters. Piper Laurie's performance feels very lived in. Like you get the whole weight of her character and the history, the past between her and her daughter. And you find yourself really wanting them to make it work, to really come to terms with what made them fall apart. Yep. And you really want them to become a loving mother and daughter unit again. And yeah, like you were saying, it's a real subtle job. This is a very quiet performance. It's not the big showy powerhouse stuff that we've seen Piper Laurie do. And it's right. and it doesn't have to be. It actually wouldn't have made any sense if it were. Right. And Piper Laurie, I think, is really using every tool in her toolkit here to really sell us on this character. And I think this is actually a really well-earned nomination, even if it's not the one that you're necessarily remembering after mm -hmm. it's over. Yeah, this isn't one that makes me, like, upset that she got recognized for, because I, I think it's, like I said, it's good. Right, like, when we were doing, when I first started my, like, homework for this, and I was, like, going back through the nominations, I had forgotten that Piper Laurie was nominated for this, and honestly, I could not remember a single scene of hers. Mm -hmm. Because the movie doesn't really focus on her. But the ones, but the scenes with her, she really sells. Yeah, what stands out to me about her performance in this is the moment when she tells Sarah, the Marley Matten character, that the John Hurt character had stopped by, and she goes, you need to talk to him. Mm -hmm. And it's like, she knows her daughter's pain, but she also knows her daughter's pain if she were to completely, for the rest of her life, ignore this character. So there's a lot going on with her facial acting and her emotional acting and I, 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 I dig it I think her character's experiencing a lot of pain too yeah I think she has a lot of regrets and yeah. feels a lot of guilt particularly with the Marley Matlin's childhood mm -hmm. and the stuff that happened between her and her father yeah. and Piper, Piper Laurie's husband so there's a lot of history that I think Piper Laurie it really resonates from Piper Laurie in all of those scenes and so I think this is a really well earned nomination agreed Agreed. Our next nominee is Mary Elizabeth Mastrantonio. Am I mm. saying that right? You are. Nominated for The Color of Money. This is her first and only nomination. She does not win anything going into Oscar night, but she is nominated at the Golden Globes and with the New York Film Critics Circle. In The Color of Money, she plays Carmen, the love interest to Tom Cruise's Vincent, and she's sort of just along for the ride. So thoughts on Mary Elizabeth in The Color of Money? I literally think you summed it up perfectly. She's just along for the ride because... Yeah. First of all, this movie's so boring. I do not like this movie. I, I, it's just like, how do you make pool interesting? They did it in The Hustler, which also had Piper Laurie. I've never seen The Hustler. I actually haven't either. I thought about watching The Hustler first, because I know The Color of Money is te te technically a sequel, because it has the Paul Newman character, and it's a continuation of that. Yeah. But I think they're mostly two standalone movies. But um, 
Yeah, I found the color of money super boring, and about halfway through, I realized I didn't give a shit about any of the characters. Right. And I didn't care what was going on. I didn't really feel like there was any major conflict. Right. Or there weren't any major stakes besides will Tom Cruise become the greatest pool player ever, and frankly, I didn't give a shit. Right. And, uh, yeah, Mary Elizabeth is really just kind of there. I don't feel like she's really given any moments She's just always kind of a secondary background character who's sort of always just in between Paul Newman and Tom Cruise. And so you remember her just because she's there and she's a really gorgeous young woman. Yeah. But that's kind of where it ends for me. Yeah, I mean, to to think too, this is the role that the Academy gave Paul Newman his only competitory Oscar to. Yeah, that's ridiculous. What the fuck? I think especially because they gave it to him because it followed the year directly after... He won his honorary Oscar. So it's just like, ugh. But when the verdict was right there a few years ago. Or Cat in a Hot Tin Roof. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Like, what the fuck? Um, but it, this is just, she doesn't do, she's literally just background. Mostly, yeah. I mean, what, maybe her only moment is the, her underwear scene in the hotel. But even then, it's like, what did she do? Mm-hmm. I think a lot of. Oscar. Was 1986 that bad for supporting actresses out of all the movies that came out that year? This is the crop we got? Right, and it's not like this is a, a one-off thing. Like, she was nominated at the Golden Globes and the, with the New York Film Critics, so, like, I don't know, the crop must have just not been that great that year. But, yeah, she's just not given the opportunities to really showcase any sort of talent. I'm sure she has talent. This movie's just not allowing her the ability to uh, show it to us. If you've seen The Abyss, you I, know yeah, she's yeah. got talent. Yeah, I've seen that. It's been ages, but I, yeah. 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 I, sure. Yeah. I mean, this is, this is here. If she's nominated, good for her. Yeah. But. We're happy for her, yeah. as always, but. This is just, there's nothing going on. I can't even, like, give, like, a full-on feeling about it, because I, I, I don't know what to say about a performance that doesn't do anything. Like, I was waiting. I was like, maybe at the climax, she'll have a big climactic monologue, and that's when it'll become clear. But then the movie ended, and I was like, Okay. Neat. I'm very bored with this. Yeah, I was not feeling this movie whatsoever. I was hoping she would save it for me in the way that some actresses, especially supporting ones, really can jump in there and do that. Yeah. But this one just kind of left me feeling bleh. This whole movie just made me feel bleh. Yeah. I can't believe I, I, like, mm mm-mm. I don't want to see that movie ever again. And that's, you know, the Scorsese thing. You, you mentioned it before. Here's, a, here's another Scorsese lady that's just... Another supporting actress in a Scorsese movie that's kind of just background. Crazy. Yeah. Well, our fifth nominee (laughs) is uh, Maggie Smith, nominated for A Room with a View. This is her fifth of six nominations, having previously been up for Othello in 1965, winning for the prime of Miss Miss Jean Brody in 1969, nominated for Travels with My Aunt in 72, winning for California Suite in 78, and now following that up here in 1986 with Room with a View. Going into this, she wins the Golden Globe, and the Kansas City Film Critics, and she will win the BAFTA the next year. Um, in Room with a View, she plays Charlotte Charlotte Bartlett, a chaperone. That's how her character is described mm-hmm. online. Yep. So, thoughts on Maggie Smith in A Room with a View? Fuck. Remember when I said there was another movie, like, set of movies that I can't do? It's these goddamn Merchant Ivory movies. Yeah, they are not your speed. Woody Allen, Merchant Ivory, and anything William Shakespeare. Mm-hmm. I can't fucking stand them. So, 
to know that Maggie Smith, like, I love Maggie Smith, but she won the Golden Globe for this. Mm -hmm. It's like, what the fuck was going on this year? She's not showing us anything new. It's not, it's not anything Maggie Smith or any other English actress hasn't already done. Do you get it? Because I don't. Um, not exactly. I have not read this book. I know people who say this is, like, one of the best, like, adaptations of a book from that period. And I guess that's cool for what it is, but I have not read it. I've only, I'm basing everything I know off of the movie. And, I mean, Maggie Smith's doing her thing. She's Maggie Smith, and that's cool. But I was really expecting to be blown away by her, and I frankly wasn't. Yeah. I feel like she has that sort of Margaret, or, yeah, Margaret Layton thing where she just has this grand presence. That's a good comparison. And... Yeah, she's not doing anything bad. Like, she didn't leave a sour taste in my mouth or anything. But I wasn't really feeling it in the way that I had hoped to be, knowing what Maggie Smith is capable of. Yeah. And yet, like I said, I haven't read the book, so I don't know the source material or what her character really has to work with. But for me, it was just fine. We decided to recognize Maggie Smith again, and I have no complaints about that. Mm -hmm. But... This kind of Best Picture nomination. Yeah. Eh. Yeah. <laughs> now, now we can talk about our favorite part in the movie, though. Oh, well, of course. <sighs> you want to do it? You, you seem very enthusiastic. It's Because it's the only good part about this movie. Okay, so if you haven't seen A Room with a View, don't. But there's a really, really great part in this movie where we get a lot of penis. Three of them. At I think. once. Yes. For a good amount of time. Yes. There's a, a few few young men who decide to go skinny dipping in a lake, and it's a it's a rowdy time. Yep. And then Helena Bonham Carter shows up and uh, gets pretty silly. Yeah, um, and this is like very homoerotic because they're naked wrestling in this mm -hmm. lake and splashing water. And splashing water. And Ian Forster, the author of the novel, was a closeted gay man for the majority of his life. So this is very gay. Yeah, like it's not like a gay reading. It just simply is gay. Yeah. It, that's the best part of the movie. Yeah. But other than that, it's like... Eh. I really enjoyed Daniel Day-Lewis in it because I found him infuriating in the best way. Like, I wanted to smack him so hard so many times. Which is weird because Denholm Elliott got a supporting actor nomination for this. Yeah, that made no sense to me once I would watched the movie. But then you had Day-Lewis, who was like... I feel like if you're... It's like kind of like Marsha Gay Harden in The Mist. Mm -hmm. she, you, she was so good at making you hate her. Like, mm -hmm. that's Oscar-worthy work. Yeah. When you make me hate you or I can't stand you, I think that is pretty telling of what a nomination can be. Yeah. So, to nominate Elliot over Day-Lewis this, for, for this movie, I'm like, eh. Okay. Yeah, right. Okay. I, I agree. I would have gone the other way. Denholm Elliott's is a really weird nomination. Mm-hmm. I mean, this whole movie is a really weird nomination. Yeah, like I see. I see the love for it for people who love that Merchant Ivory thing, mm -hmm. but um, and I kind of I'm kind of wishy washy on it. Some of them I like more than others. This one I'm kind of meh on. Mm -hmm. um, love Maggie Smith. Happy she got nominated, but um, I wasn't crazy about it. Yeah, it's um, very awkward. You know what I'm? You know what though? That's our last nominee for this. Yeah, it's the last supporting actress. Good, because I can get that out of the way. Sorry, I just, I can't stand. I don't know how you feel about, I mean, that lineup is just, brr. Mostly, yeah. I feel like I, like I need to like, you know, take a bump or something. You, you, need, a, you need a drink. Now, yeah, because now I'm like, yes, now we can talk about the fun stuff and that part is out of the way. I'm, so, are you ready? Yeah. 
All right, all right, all right. So your lead actresses of 1986 were... Jane Fonda in The Morning After. Sissy Spacek in Crimes of the Heart. Kathleen Turner in Peggy Sue Got Married. Marley Matlin and Children of a Lesser God. Sigourney Weaver in Aliens. All right, starting off with Sissy Spacek as Babe McGrath in Crimes of the Heart. This is her fifth of six nominations. Going to um, Oscar night, she was a heavy contender to win because she won the Golden Globe for Best Actress for Comedy Musical, and she won the New York Film Critics Association Award for Best Actress. In Crimes of the Heart, um, Babe, Sissy's character, is... She's not a cute. She fucking shoots her husband in the gut. And it's kind of like her journey with her sisters about finding out why she did it and what she really wants out of life. And what do you think about this? I think this is a really great role for Sissy Spacek. I think she was a perfect actress to play this. Uh, she is so good at that slightly unhinged character. And yeah, this is a this is a woman who shoots her husband just because she kind of feels like it. Yeah. And um, I'm here for it. And I love that scene. I think it's toward the end where she's like dragging a chandelier around because doesn't she, she tries to hang herself yes. and the chandelier falls and she's just walking around with like the chandelier still attached to her by like the rope or whatever she used to try to hang herself and she's just like in a like almost catatonic daze just dragging this big ass chandelier around like it's not like it's a dog i love it or like when she goes to put her head in the oven and she's just like trying to fit like she doesn't know how she doesn't know how and like there's a moment in this movie where you really think she's gonna kill herself this is a it's a really dark comedy because like what she's attempting to do and the things that her character has done are really grave. Yeah. Like, they're, it's a very serious subject matter, but it's handled so carefully mm -hmm. and so delicately, especially by Ceci Spacek, that she's able to take these, these moments where you should be, like, screaming for her, mm -hmm. but you're laughing. Yeah. It's very, it's a very tricky thing to do, and I think she nails it. Yeah, I think it, I think this is a really good nomination for her, and to the fact that she came so close to winning this for for this too is interesting. Um, there was also something that she does, which I I never had really seen before, and I didn't pick up on it the first time I watched this movie years ago. But there's that point where I think she's talking to the lawyer, and she is drinking a bottle of Coke, and she adds peanuts to the Coke, okay. which I didn't know was a thing. But I guess in the South, oh. like you add planters peanuts to your Coke, and I'm like. I guess like, I didn't pick up on that. I don't drink pop very uh -huh. often, but now, like, next time I go to get Coke, like, I'm going to get peanuts and try it out, because, I mean, apparently it's a huge snack. Is it for the saltiness? Or? The saltiness and oh, the sweetness, and then okay. you eat the peanuts from the bottle. and it's After they've been soaking? Yeah. Oh, interesting. I never knew that. Yeah. So, I mean, I'm, in, I'm intrigued. Yeah. I'm intrigued. But as a performance, I think this is this is really good. Yeah, I'm, I'm pretty pleased with it. I like it. I just enjoy Sissy Spacek, and I think this is a really good performance for her to showcase all the things she's really good at. Yeah, and you gave her the win for uh, two for, weeks ago. For the for, river. For the river. Um, I'm trying to think, have I given her one yet? I don't think you I have. Haven't. Not yet. Maybe this is the year. Could be. Could be. We'll see. It, would, it wouldn't be a bad win. No, it would not. Moving on? Yeah. All right. So our next actress up is Sigourney Weaver as Ripley in Aliens. This is her first of three nominations this decade alone. Um, going into Oscar night, she only had a Golden Globe nomination for Best Actress in a Drama. 
famously, Aliens, uh, Ripley, is, or in Aliens, Ripley is the sole survivor of the, her first mission from the first movie. This kind of picks up, I wouldn't say directly after, but kind of like right after the events of... I'm trying to remember. I think, hasn't she been frozen for a while? That's why I don't mean like directly right. after, but after the events of... Um, and she's kind of, I wouldn't say she's forced, but she's forced into a situation that makes her choose to go and try and figure out what happened to this planet because there had been the same type of life force that was on her ship is known to be on this planet again. And in a way, she becomes a surrogate mother for Newt, this mm -hmm. little girl who I just want to punch in the face because she's annoying as shit. Um, so what are your thoughts uh, of uh, Sigourney Weaver as Ripley in Aliens? I think this is a really cool nomination. We very seldom get nominations like this. I mean, mm -hmm. this is like an action, sci-fi, horror-adjacent film. And I think it's cool as hell that Sigourney Weaver pulled off a nomination here. And she's done something that very few actors have done. And that is they've become a character. Yeah. Like Sigourney Weaver is synonymous with Ripley. And there's not very many actors who you can say that about. Yeah. There's only really a handful, especially when it comes to actresses. Yeah. Maybe that's, that's probably more common with men in their franchises. Yeah. But Weaver's almost in a league of her own there. I would say her and Jamie Lee Curtis as Laurie Strode sure. are the two... Like, like A-list actresses yes. who have like a franchise that yes. people associate them directly with. Yes. And I think this is really fun nomination. Um, I think Sigourney Weaver is doing a really good job here. Like when I think of Sigourney Weaver, I kind of think of Ripley. And mm -hmm. I mean, she created a cultural icon. Yeah. Like, uh, I don't know. How do you feel about it? I really like this nomination. Um, I always, I'm always confused though when people say this is the first... Uh, sci-fi nomination, especially in the same year where you had Peggy Sue Got Married, which is a sci-fi movie. Yeah, you could say it is. So yeah. it happened twice in one year, and Kathleen Turner doesn't get that. But um, I love this nomination. I think this is such an amazing step forward. And, I, and the thing about that's infuriating about this, though, is that, you know, and it happens a lot, too, with um, black actors who are nominated or who win. Where it's like, okay, like I'll use Halle Berry as an example. Halle Berry has been the only black actress to ever win lead actress at the Oscars. And it's like the door's open. Well, great, the door's open. But where's where's the person who goes to that doorway next? Like it hasn't happened since. Right. So yes, this is really cool that Sigourney Weaver has like this sci-fi horror nomination. But then who is the next one? Right. Kathy Bates, who won for Misery. Cool. Okay. Then who was the next one after that? You could say, you could argue that Jodie um, Foster. Jody Foster the next year. Or, and then, you know, Natalie Portman with Black Swan. So it happens, but not enough. And I right. feel like it's like, well, let's celebrate what she did here, which is great, but let's keep it going forward. Right. It's, it's that genre bias that yeah. the Academy and really has. Yeah, because um, genre is where you get some of your really best acting. Tony Collette and Hereditary. Tony Collette and Hereditary got. Of course, they not they did nominate Sissy Spacek and Piper Laurie for Carrie, but that's another like rare example. Right. It doesn't happen enough as it does. Let's let's nominate the the rape victim or the nun or the prostitute or the slave. Mm -hmm. Like these are like the common. Those are the character types. Character that, types, and yeah. it's so good and refreshing to see the Academy nominate this, especially in the eighties. Mm -hmm. I love it. I do too. I think it's really strong, and of course. Get away from her, you bitch. Mm -hmm. Iconic line. Right. Good for her. Yeah, I'm, I'm really pleased with this nomination. Me too. You know what I'm not pleased with? What? 
our next nominee. Oh boy. Marley Matlin as Sarah, who won for the Academy Award this year in Children of Lesser God. This is her sole win and nomination. Going into Oscar night, she won the Golden Globe, beating Sigourney Weaver for Actress in a Drama. And she was nominated for the LA Film Critics Association Award. That's all she had going into this. In Children of a Lesser God, Marley Matlin uh, plays Sarah, who is a woman who is deaf, who kind of shuts the world off and is angry at the world, and then meets John Hurt, falls in love, and lives happily ever after. So, before I tell you why I'm aggravated with this, why don't you talk about Children of Lesser God? Um, this movie needed to have more confidence in Marley Matlin. I think a lot of where I come down on not really caring for this win is because I feel like the movie needed to let her stand on her own more. Mm -hmm. I really don't like that William Hurt is narrating her sign. I really wish they just would have subtitled her sign language and let her speak, so to speak, for herself. Because mm -hmm. I think William Hurt's narration or translation for the audience really takes away from the power of what she's saying in the moment. I know this is based on a play, and so that's built into the script that they're working with, but they could have changed it. Yeah. William Hurt speaks sign language, like he or reads sign language. I'm not sure what the proper terminology is. So he didn't have to say out loud the things that she was saying for him. He was simply doing it for the audience. That's the way the, the, the story is designed. If she had been able to just be on her own and and use her gestures for herself and it was just translated for the audience, I think we would really zero in on her more because the way the movie does it, it distracts from her. And I think it's to her, it's, 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 it's a disservice to Marley Matlin. Yeah, I am not, ups or I'm not mad at this performance because of Marley Matlin. I think she's really talented. Mm -hmm. I'm mad for everything you just said. Although I would argue we don't even need subtitles for her character because of what we're going through with this with these characters, mm. I feel like we would have known. Sure. I feel like the interpretation would have been great. And I feel like, how does Marley Matlin win this when William Hurt did her job and lo he loses the Oscar to Paul Newman this year for this? That's also, too, where I have an issue. Because while Marley Matlin is doing all the actions... William Hurt is the one... Did I say John Hurt earlier, by the way? I think I feel, you did. I, feel like yeah. I, did. I knew what you meant, but I think Thank you did. Thank you. I feel like I just that just clicked in me um, when we talk about Piper Laurie. But William Hurt is acting for her. He's doing all the work. He's speaking for her. He, yes. I... I know what you mean. You know what? Yes. But Marley Matlin it almost just feels like a prop for him. Mm. And I also, too, would probably say I would not put her in lead. Oh, really? Yeah. Because I feel like the char like the movie is about John... Fuck, I almost just again. William Hurt's character and, like, his arc and where he's going. And I feel like this love story with her is just kind of a side piece of this movie in a way. That's how it interprets to me. Mm. I think that's the main story. I don't know. I, I didn't... I didn't want, like, I watched this years ago, and I was like, oh, wow, this is a really, really good win. And then revisiting it, I'm like, I don't know how I feel about it. I think what you were saying about how we probably don't even need subtitles makes sense, because I'm thinking about the Piper Laurie scenes, and Piper Laurie doesn't speak for Marley right. Matlin, for the, for the audience. Yeah. Marley, or Sarah, signs... And Piper responds with her signing and also her voice. And by only hearing Piper's half of the conversation in words, you're able to bridge mm -hmm. the conversation. So I think you're right. I don't think you need subtitles, but 
I still would prefer that over William Hurt just speaking over her because I think it really distracts from the performance. Yeah. Because I had a hard time zeroing in on her when I'm trying to hear him tell me what she's saying. And just let her, just let her speak for herself. Yeah, I'm, I'm, I don't know. I'm, I think I'm just disappointed with this because there's so much more you could have done with the, this character. Mm-hmm. And you could have given Marley Matlin so much more to do because she's worth it. Her talent's there. But this is not helping her. Yeah. So, unfortunately, I am just not a fan of this now. Mm-hmm. Boo. Yeah. All right, moving on? Yeah. All right. So, uh, this is the last time we get to talk about her until she, unless she does something in in the future. But it's, uh, well, actually, we didn't do 69. We might oh, do right. that one day. But Jane Fonda as Alex Sternbergen in The Morning After. This is her seventh of seven nominations. This is her most recent one. Um, in The Morning After, Jane plays a character who is a raging alcoholic, a blackout drunk, who wakes up next to a dead body and has to put the pieces back together on who did it, why they do it, why is she there, did she do it? Uh-oh, call the police. Um, what do you think of this? I really love it. I think this is a really great performance from Jane Fonda. Mm-hmm. I think this is one of those performances that showcases every single thing that Jane Fonda's good at. Yeah. She has moments where she can be big and she can do that Jane Fonda thing that sometimes doesn't always work for her, mm-hmm. but I think it really does here. And she has some really beautiful moments of comedy and like really heartwarming moments as well. And I think this is just a perfect role for her. Like I totally bought her in this. Yeah, I forgot to mention too, going into Oscar night, she was kind of like the Diana Scarwood. This was the movie's only nomination. She oh. had no precursors whatsoever. Um, but I agree with you. I think um, coming off of the 70s, I can finally say this. This is my favorite Jane Fonda nomination of anything of she's ever done. Of all of them. Of all of them. Wow. This is... I, if you remember last season, I, I always had an issue with she's either emotionally great or verbally great. And this is the perfect combination of both. Um, this nomination is like, it, it takes you all over the place. You're like, oh, I feel bad for her. But then you like hate her. And then you're like, well, maybe she did it. Well, maybe she didn't. And then you're like, what the fuck? Like when she tries to, to like act her way into a plane with mm-hmm. like, but my daughter, and they're like, we can't help you. She's like, well, how about Vegas? Like, it's hilarious. She tried to Helen Haze her way onto right, that plane. Right, right. Um, the movie, though, is pretty bad. Yeah, it's a very mediocre movie. This was, this was like a string of movies that happened after um, Dress to Kill, hmm. it, where it was like this and Still of the Night with Meryl Streep and Roy Scheider, and it was like... And these, Body Heat. And Body Heat, and these movies that were like old school film noir that really just didn't click. So it's a very, it's one of those nominations that where it's like, oh, this movie's really bad, but this performance is really good. Yeah. And I am always so curious with these movies that don't have, or that it's like singular or sing, sing, singled, I can't fucking talk to it, singled out a performance that got no precursors, but gets a nomination. Like, I always want to know how these campaigns went. Right. Yeah, I don't know if she was just campaigning her ass off or she got in because she was Jane Fonda and yeah. she was just a recognizable name. But I think this is also just a really good performance. Um, even if she did get in for those reasons, I think it's a worthy nomination. Yeah. I think this movie totally bridges everything that Jane Fonda does well. And she's able to approach it full body. Yeah. And I think she kills it. Even if this movie is kind of bland yeah. overall and it's very like... 80s low budget thriller. Yeah. Oh, I love the 80s feel to it. Oh, yeah. It's, it's very 80s. Yes. And we get uh, Cameo by Kathy Bates and Bruce Valanche. And Raul Julia. Um, 
Yes, that's right. Sydney Lamette directed this. Yeah, and it, it just it feels like the payoff isn't really there. At the, the climax end. is really like And Jeff Bridges seems really miscast here. Yeah. Yeah, it was a little strange, but I was just kinda going with it. Yeah. But yeah, Jane Fonda is stellar here. Yeah. I like it. I do too. Alright, ready? Yeah. Final nominee. Um, and this is the only time we get to talk about her too, which is very odd in my book. Um, but Kathleen Turner as Peggy Sue in Peggy Sue Got Married. This is her sole nomination. Um, she didn't win anything going into Oscar night. She just had three nominations from the New York Film Critics Association, the National Society of Film Critics, and the Golden Globe nomination for Best Actress in Comedy and Musical. Um, in Peggy Sue Got Married, again, Kathleen Turner plays Peggy Sue, who goes to her 25th high school reunion and with no type of explanation, faints and gets warped back into the 1960s, her senior year of high school. And it's kind of like her way of redeeming her life and her horrible marriage with a terribly acted role by Nicolas Cage. Yes. Uh, what do you think about this? Um, so it's a shame that this is her only not time being nominated because Kathleen Turner like ruled the 80s. Yes. She was great in so many movies. Yeah. And it's really a shame that she only got one nomination. But that being said, I think this is a good nomination mm. for it to be her only one. I think this is a really fun movie. I had actually never seen it before. This is like, which is weird because I love Kathleen Turner and the one I hadn't seen was the one she was nominated for. Mm. And I didn't really? really, yeah. And I didn't actually know that much about the movie mm. except that it dealt with like her high school life. I didn't realize she actually liked time travels. Oh, really? I didn't really know the, I just knew it had to do with like a high school reunion. I didn't yeah. realize she literally went back. And so this was a really fun movie mm. and I was kind of enjoying it. It's kind of silly at times, and you kind of just have to go with it and suspend your own disbelief, of course, but I think she's really fun here. Yeah. She's really funny, and uh, I'm, I'm really pleased that she got a nomination for it. Yeah, it's definitely, it's definitely a good performance. There's nothing bad about the performance, and it's interesting because originally Deborah Winger was cast in this role, and then... Mm had a back injury and Francis Ford Coppola was like at lunch or something with Kathleen Turner. He's like, I need a bankable actress. And she's like, well, I'm bankable and cast her just from that. Um, I love her confidence. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. Like you listen to her in interviews and she, she knows she's the queen. Oh, I love her interviews. Kathleen Turner leaves nothing on the, or doesn't leave anything on off the I table. I love how she names names too. Oh, she doesn't give a shit. Favorite. My favorite. Um, but yeah, this is a really good performance. Um, it's funny. It's sad. Oh, God, Nicolas Cage is so bad in this movie, though. He really is. Between this and Moonstruck, he is such a bad actor. Oh, my God. He is. He makes some bold choices. Like, whatever acting class he was in, his teacher told him to make a bold choice, and he made that, he patented that, and he practically invented the bold choice, and oh, he made man. a whole career off of it. Well, he's a, he's nephew to Francis Ford Coppola. Yes, that's true. And Sofia Coppola in this is just as bad, too. Oh, yeah. Oh, God. It's a good thing she's a talented director. She's a great director and writer. Yeah. But between this and The Godfather 3, girl. Mm. Mm -mm. Um, but yeah, I really like this. I think it's I think it's good. Oh, you know who, too, side note, I could have seen who I think who should have played her husband? Because hmm. think of him at this time would have been Tom Hanks. Oh, okay. Yeah. Oh, you mean like her high school, the high school version of... Well, I mean both. Oh, well, that's true. Yes. Yeah. yeah. Okay. I see it. Tom I, Hanks would have been really Yeah, good. that would have worked. And we got an early Joan Allen. Yep. Um, we got Catherine Hicks, who would go on and be the mom in Child's Play in Seventh Heaven. Mm -hmm. um, Jim Carrey 
I did not realize he was in this until I was watching it. Yeah, we had a. We had he's a, really funny. Yeah, I mean, all around the movie is very enjoyable. I wouldn't say the movie's great. Um, no, it's a, it's a, it's a, it's of its time. Yes, but it's still enjoyable if you go into it knowing what you're gonna get. Yes. Now, of course, I didn't do that. I didn't know anything, but I right. still enjoyed it. I just kind of, I was along for the ride. Yeah. I was like Mary Elizabeth. <laughs> Literally along for the ride. Yeah, this is a, this is a fun nomination. I, I like it. I'm glad she got it. And uh, it's honestly probably one of my favorite nominations of the 80s. Oh, really? As a whole. Okay. Just because it's so much fun. Mm-hmm. So. I'm into it. Yeah. Do you want to add anything else? No, I think I'm good. All right, shall we get to our rankings? Yeah. All right, so as a recap, your supporting actresses of 1986 were Diane Weist, Mary Elizabeth Master Antonio, Piper Laurie, Maggie Smith, and Tess Harper. Um, I'm going to be honest with you. I'm ranking these just from meh to meh. Mm. It's, I'm not, pick my, my number one isn't like, ooh, this person really deserved it. It's just like, who do I just give it to? I don't care. Um, but five is definitely going to marry Elizabeth Master Antonio. There's nothing going on here, and she... <laughs> I don't know. She's five, though, because I can't tell you why she was even nominated. She's my five as well for the exact same reasons. So yeah. I have really nothing else to add. That pretty much summed it up. Yeah. yeah. Well, going into four is Maggie Smith. Um, I kind of said it earlier again, this is not something new from Maggie Smith. This is not something new from any English actress we've ever seen. It's just okay, and... Uh, okay. Maggie Smith is also my four for pretty much the same reasons. Yeah, it's... Maggie Smith's doing her thing, but it's not groundbreaking anyway. It didn't really show me a new side of her that I hadn't seen before. Mm-hmm. And love Maggie Smith, but this performance is just all right for me. Yeah, there's nothing nothing to write home about. Um, number three, I'm actually going to give it to Diane Weist. Um, I, I think, for me, a lot of that just has to do with her the movie. Again, it's Woody Allen. And again, there's just nothing going on for me here in this movie as a whole, her performance included. And to be honest with you, I know she wins. I know everyone picks her to win. I'm just sick of her winning, so that's why I'm not giving it to her. I'm giving my three to Tess Harper. It's just a silly performance. Like, I was enjoying it. I thought it was fun. But at the end of the day, it's not, like, my performance of the year. So she's getting my number three. Um, heard that. Well, that leaves me with Piper Laurie and Tess Harper. Um, I'm giving my runner-up to Piper Laurie, which means I'm giving Tess Harper the number one. Um, just because I think Piper Laurie does really, really good here, but I already gave her an Oscar for Carrie. Tess Harper, I'm just giving it to her because I've never heard anyone say Tess Harper deserves it. And honestly, I don't care, so Tess Harper wins. Okay. Well, I have, um, Piper Laurie and Diane Weist. I'm giving the runner-up to Piper Laurie, and I'm gonna give it to Diane Weist. Um, I like them both here. I think these are my, these are definitely my two favorite performances of the nominees by a long shot. But I just enjoy Diane Weist more than I do Piper Laurie, even though Piper Laurie is doing some really beautiful work here in Children of a Lesser God. But my winner is uh, going to be Diane Weist because I just get more out of her, I guess. I thought she was really funny, and I think she's really clever here, and I don't besmirch her win whatsoever. So my win goes to Diane Weist for Hannah and her sisters. Yeah, I don't take away from her win. I'm not mad about it, per se. I just didn't give it to her because I'm just giving yeah. it to someone else. Um, it's also just not your thing, which, yeah. is, which is okay. Yeah. Um, but I can't be like, I just did it to, to be different, to be honest yeah, with you. I just don't you care just about You just like to be up. different. Yeah, I mean, I, in general, but like, yeah. I just don't care about the sign up. It doesn't matter to me who wins. Yeah. But I think Tess Harper is just a fun one because it's so ridiculous. And I've never heard anyone say that Tess Harper, probably outside of Tess Harper, that she deserved it. Yeah. So, 
All right. Sure. So our lead actresses, uh, as a reminder, were Marley Matlin for Children of a Lesser God, Jane Fonda for The Morning After, Sissy Spacek for Crimes of the Heart, Kathleen Turner for Peggy Sue Got Married, and Sigourney Weaver for Aliens. I'm giving my number five spot to Marley Matlin. I don't think she's bad here, but I just don't think the movie utilizes her in a, the way that they really could have. Because I think she could have truly given a remarkable performance if the movie had more confidence in her. But unfortunately, they just don't give her that opportunity. So I'm giving her my five. Um, I'm also giving Marley Matlin my fifth spot just because I... Uh... I kind of said what I had to say about it. It's just not anything... I, I feel like there would have been so much more for her to do if she had something to do and really show us what she's got. It's... I gotta go five. Yeah. I'm giving my number four to Sigourney Weaver for Aliens. I uh, love that she was nominated here. I always love when genre makes it into the Academy because it so very rarely happens. And she, of course, made this into an iconic pop culture phenomenon character. But I think the other ones remaining just do a little bit more for me on like a character level i guess heard heard well um four is also going to scorny weaver um for same reasons i think she's great i'm glad that she got in for this it's great recognition um but as a whole there's just the, the last three are just doing a little bit more for me mm -hmm. so yeah this last three was actually really difficult for me especially the last two um i'm gonna give sissy spacek my number three i think she's doing really wonderful work here in crimes of the heart and she's perfect but um yeah, I guess there's something about the other two that just draw me in just a little bit more. So she gets my number three. She also gets my number three. Oh, wow. Ooh, we're really mashing up here so far for lead. Um, yeah, Sissy's Basic I think is good. Uh, I think it's it's a really fun nomination. Um, I could have seen her win for this too that year. I wouldn't have been mad about it. Wouldn't have been mad about it. But um, yeah, I got to... I gotta give a little bit more more oomph to the last two, so yeah, yeah. So my uh, both of us have Kathleen Turner and Jane Fonda remaining, mm -hmm. and this was really difficult for me. I've been going back and forth a lot on this, and I think I'm gonna give my runner-up spot to Jane Fonda and give Kathleen Turner the win, even though I think Jane Fonda is remarkable in the morning after, and it's giving her every opportunity imaginable to show us what she can do and why she's a great actress, but. I'm also partially spreading the wealth here because I've given Jane Fonda the win before and this is Kathleen Turner's only opportunity and I really want her to have an Oscar. But that's not to say that she's not deserving because she is also doing really beautiful work here in Peggy Sue Got Married and I would have been perfectly happy if she had won. So I love that you gave Kathleen Turner that um, Oscar there. Now, do you remember back in 1982 where I pulled out a tie mm -hmm. and was like, there's another year here where I wanted to use a tie and it would have been between Kathleen Turner and Jane Fonda. Oh, yeah. Because I used my tie for Leslie and Warren and Terry Garr in 82 right. and then I used it again last week for um, Margaret Avery and Meg Tilly. Mm -hmm. However, now that I can't and I have to make a decision, um, my runner-up's going to Kathleen Turner. I'm giving the Oscar to Jane Fonda, mainly because, for me, it's my last chance to do so, because I didn't give her right. one all in the 70s. Also, too, this is my favorite Jane Fonda performance. I can finally say it. Like, I'm giving Jane Fonda an Oscar. Yeah. I think The Morning After is by far her best work that she's ever been nominated for. It gives me all types of emotion, um, whether it's good, bad, silly, you know, whatever it is. Um, I'm here for it. Kathleen Turner is great. I really wish I could tie it here, and I really wish she would get... I cannot believe this is her only nomination, but... I think for me, it has to go to Fonda. It mm -hmm. just, 
There's there's nobody better in this lineup for me. I love it, even though the movie sucks. Yeah, it's a it's a very uh, bad movie. Yeah. But uh, yeah, my winners for the year were Kathleen Turner and Peggy Sue Got Married and Diane Weist and Hannah and Her Sisters. Yeah. Um, so Jane Fonda in the morning after, and then Tess Harper and Crimes of the Heart. Okay. It's interesting duo, but I stand by Jane Fonda, Tess Harper, I can live or with, live without. Yeah. You know, so. Okay. It is what it is at the end of the day. Right. Um, this has been an interesting episode. Yeah. We're very. It's been fun. It's, it's fun, but it's very divided. It's like half loved. I think, like, I think the episodes where we're less enthusiastic about the lineups are, end up being our better ones because I think we get a little sillier. Yeah. Because the ones where we love, where we have really great lineups, we're just like praising and gushing the entire time. And yeah. I, don't, I don't know how entertaining that is. Maybe it is. I don't know. But I think these ones where we're a little bit underwhelmed is where the, the fun comes out. Yeah. Agreed. Agreed. Well, until next week, I'm Joe Gentile. I'm Brandon Stanwick. And this has been Academy Queens 1986. See y'all later. Bye. Bye.